Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. I want to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow, and they are consummate professionals. I will put their information in the show notes. If you're looking to sell a home or if you're looking for something new, just click and go. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about rep ranges and hypertrophy today. Hypertrophy is muscle cell enlargement. It is what we call essentially getting bigger or in gym terms, getting swole. Now, before I scare any of you ladies off or gentlemen that don't really want to add bigger muscles, let me uh, first state that there is so much genetics in that that you don't really have to worry about it so much if that's not something you want. Now, having said that, hypertrophy is good for everybody. In other words, adding muscle is good for each and every one of us. We actually lose muscle as we age unless we do something to keep it on our bodies, such as working out. The term for that is called sarcopenia. And that is age-related muscle mass loss. Again, use it or lose it states that if we work out, we're not going to lose nearly as much. And muscle tissue is actually very metabolic. It's what drives our metabolism. It's the number one driver of metabolism. So when we lose muscle mass, we lose calories. Think of it that way. Every time you lose some muscle, you have to eat a little less to maintain your body weight. But on the flip side, which bodybuilders and strength athletes and athletes in general have known for years, that if you gain more muscle, you can eat more and remain as lean as you want to remain. So really, one of the best things we can ever do is increase our muscle mass, which again, the technical term is called hypertrophy. Okay, so one more caveat on that. When people go on diets, and especially when they go on low-carb diets, they lose a lot of muscle mass. Because the reason is, is our cells use carbohydrates for fuel. We have to have carbohydrates. The Krebs cycle says that fat burns in a carbohydrate flame. Now, I know that all you keto lovers and all that don't want to hear that. But truth be told, that is the truth. If we cut carbs back too much, we end up taking them from our muscle tissue. And that is called gluconeogenesis, making new glucose out of our muscles. That's gluconeogenesis because our body needs carbs for fuel. So we don't want to cut carbs too much or we will lose muscle mass. It's often why when people go off their diets, they gain weight back more quickly 
because during their diet, they lost muscle mass. When you lose muscle mass, you lower your metabolism. Okay? So, don't fear the getting swole. It's very genetic just how big you are going to get anyway, or just how muscular you're going to get. You know, you see these NFL linebackers, or in nowadays, the NBA has really big muscular people like LeBron James, and even Michael Jordan back in the day was very muscular man, all right? And we think, oh, wow, they must work out a lot. Now they do, but they also have the genetics to add that kind of muscle. Just very briefly, there are four characteristics you need, and I talk about these in my books, but four characteristics you need to gain substantial muscle mass. Number one, your body type. There is ectomorphs, mesomorphs, and endomorphs. If you're not a mesomorph, you don't have to worry about putting on a lot of muscle. It's not going to happen. That's a muscular frame from the get-go. A second factor is your muscle belly size, which is genetically determined. The muscle belly is actually the size of the actual muscle, how it can fill up. If you have long muscle bellies and short tendons, your muscles have the capacity to fill up. Think of a bigger balloon versus a smaller balloon. If you have a bigger balloon, it's going to get bigger. That's what it's like with our muscle bellies. All right. The next thing is muscle fiber type. If you are mostly fast twitch muscle fiber, you're going to have a propensity to gain more muscle size. If you're mostly slow twitch muscle fiber, you aren't. All right. And that's another genetic characteristic. And finally, there's hormones. Everybody has a genetic set on their resting levels of anabolic hormones, specifically testosterone. Okay, ladies, you don't have a lot of testosterone, even though, even though you do have some, you don't have a significant amount to add the kind of muscle you might be worrying about. Okay, so you have to have those four characteristics to add a lot of muscle. That's asking a lot, right? And how do you know? Well, you know, when you were in high school, did you gravitate more towards cross country or towards the football team? Ladies, did you gravitate more towards cross country or did you gravitate towards basketball or volleyball? So that's one way to know. And you know just by your physique. I mean, do you gain muscle easy? Do you have medium-sized bones or small bones? I mean, essentially, you know, and maybe hearing this, you can go, well, I really don't have that kind of capability. Now, what if you do? So then you got a question to ask yourself, do I really want to add more? Because when I work out, I'm going to add more. I mean, that you are, or do I not? And that's only a question you can answer. I can say that a lot of the reasons why people don't want to gain muscle mass is because they're afraid that they look bigger or fatter or less feminine or things like that. I can speak from a physiologist standpoint and say that that's not true, that people that gain more muscle mass actually have better symmetry, better lines and things like that. And I can speak as a guy and say that I think a fit body is very attractive. But only you can decide what you really want. I will say, though, that the health and fitness benefits of adding more muscle, I believe, trumps what you might be afraid of, but only you can decide that, okay? So don't fear the swole, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk a little bit about hypertrophy. 
So I listened to a uh, continuing education um, lecture yesterday to finish up my CECs I needed for the year um, because I'm coming due again. And actually, I really like taking the CECs online. It's pretty cool. Like both the American College of Sports Medicine and the National Strength and Conditioning Association, which I belong to, offer ways to do it via online. And they're actually very good lectures. You know, it's a good thing to do. I don't dread them. Um, they make it easy and I enjoy the lectures. So I saw one yesterday and it backs up what I've been saying for many, many years. And I found it very interesting. And he showed so much great data to prove these facts. All right. So for those that don't maybe know the gym lingo and all that, for many, many years, it was thought that to get big, to hypertrophy, you need to lift massive loads, that you need to lift big loads, heavy weights, and uh, you know size equals strength. Now, the size equals strength thing does add up and is true. But the for the longest time, physiologists and scientists were like, well, wait a minute. I mean, so what is it about these heavier loads that might be bringing about greater hypertrophy? And is that necessary? Because the anecdotal evidence showed that there were people that did a lot of high reps or even endurance athletes and cyclists, you know, people like that who you don't necessarily think as gym rats or whatever, but the cyclists had huge thighs. They had great quads. Or you look at the speed skaters. Like if you're old enough, remember Eric Hyden had some of the greatest quads and legs ever seen. Well, okay, so they're doing a lot of reps, right? So if you're on a bicycle, you're doing a ton of reps. If you're skating, you're doing a ton of reps, even if you're doing sprints. So do we really need super low loads or moderately heavy weights to or super high loads and moderately heavy weights to gain size and for years most people thought no like the scientists thought no the bodybuilders and gym rats said yes so i've seen evidence before which always supports that that's not true that you can get away with higher reps and lower loads and the uh seminar yesterday showed data to once again confirm that, which I saw released about two years ago, actually. The American College of Sports Medicine released a great study on this that I've been reading. And the guy basically regurgitated the study, which essentially showed two groups. One group trained at 80% of their one rep max and went to failure or close to failure. The next group trained at 30% of their one rep max and went to failure or close to failure. What they found was identical responses in hypertrophy. That the people that did really low load, and 30% is light. Okay, I did the, the math in my head and figured it out. That equals about 28 reps for most people, all right? Give or take, and I'm going to talk about that too give or take. So that's really light. But the key was getting close to failure or going to failure. And the reason why us physiologists and scientists have known this for years is because the way we exhaust the muscle is by taking it to failure. And taking it to failure means that we have recruited every muscle fiber in a motor unit and every motor unit in a muscle belly. All right. So we have thousands of muscle fibers in a muscle, all right? Thousands of muscle fibers in a muscle. When they've all been taken to exhaustion, 
that's all they can do. That's when you hit failure. You start to feel the burn. You know it's coming within a few reps. You can't complete another rep. That is because you have recruited every muscle fiber. So you're doing the load, you're doing the load. One's given out, says, oh, send recruits, send recruits, send recruits. They keep coming, they keep coming. There's nothing left. Boom, that's when you hit volitional fatigue or failure. That's what leads, that's the stimulus that leads to a response. And as long as we are getting close to failure, we're recruiting every muscle fiber. We're recruiting every motor unit. And a motor unit is just a housing of muscle fibers. And then the motor units make up the muscles. If we're recruiting all of them, that's all we can do. Whether it be done with heavy loads and lower reps or lighter loads and higher reps, that equals hypertrophy. Which when you think about it, if you've been training long enough, you kind of know that because you've been working out, you, you realize you start to do some pump out sets or whatever at the end of your workout. You're like, man, I really feel that. Like I can't even bend my arm anymore. My biceps are so fatigued. Or if you value the pump like many guys do and you feel this tremendous blood pump in your arms from all the blood flow coming in from the higher reps, you get it. You're like, this leads to growth. And of course, of course it does. All right. One more note on this study. So the author, it was pretty cool They because a lot of the um, the gym rack guys don't like that information because they like to train heavy. And the bottom line is nobody's telling them not to train heavy. I mean, that that's fine. If you like training heavy, yes, that'll work too. Like the key to hypertrophy is getting close to failure, whether you train heavy or train light. There's really no bad news in this study because it, it worked, it's good news for people that are like, but I don't really like training overly heavy. I like feeling it more, you know, I like using loads that I feel like I can control, whatever. So it's really just a win-win for everybody. But, you know, people like to get into their camps and argue, which is kind of silly, and that's kind of what was happening. But anyway, they came back and they said, okay, okay, so maybe you're gaining more hypertrophy, but you're not getting stronger. So the researcher came back and said, well, let's look at that. So they looked at grip strength, which is, you can't cheat it. Like who, who trains their grip strength all the time, right? And it's a great tool. We use it at the gym, actually. So they looked at grip strength and they said, well, let's compare the 80% people versus the 30% people at the end of the study. And they did. Guess what they found? Comparative grip strengths in both cases. So within the standard deviation and, and uh, statistical significance they showed there was no difference in strength between the people that trained at 30%, people that trained at 80%. So that blew it out the window. They said, yeah, but my one rep max on my bench press is better when I trained at the lower, at the heavier loads for lower reps. Well, of course. So that's like practice because of course 80% is closer to 100% than 30% is closer to 100%. So of course you're going to do better on a test when essentially you're practicing the test. Get it? So if you're practicing the test at 30% versus 80%, of course you're not going to show as much strength in that test because when you are lifting heavier, there are things that you do technique-wise to help you lift the weights. So really they showed kind of a bias in that using the actual test as a way to say somebody got stronger. It's like, well, okay, but you're training close to 100%. Of course, you're going to show a better test when you do that. 
But when we looked at this where nobody could cheat, so to say, and measure their strength, we showed the same results, all right? So lo and behold, what this all means is that training lighter with heavy or training lighter with higher reps or training heavier with lower reps, you get bigger and stronger pick and choose. Personally, I've always liked higher reps better. I just focus in better. I work on my form. And that's what I want to close this with. You know, the big key with this that we really try to educate our clients with a lot, you know, we have a lot of people that always want to know how many, right? Well, depending on the tempo of the set, meaning how fast you're going, and some people need to go faster, some people need to go slower, but that's going to change the how many question. Depending on the exercise is going to change the how many question. So we really try to educate people on, well, okay, so we do have a starting point. Of course we have a starting point. We need to keep records so we know the intensity people need for their sets and their workouts and things like that. But then at the same time, it really depends on the day. And what we'd really rather see you do is focus on the feel. Feel that muscle starting to burn. Work through it. Keep your mind on the muscle. And as you get close, we'll have a good idea when your form starts breaking down. Or I mean, we can just tell. I always... There's a few clients I work with that get that really well. And I'll say, I'll tell you when you got three more. Because they'll say, well, how many am I doing? 12, 15, 20? Don't worry about it. I'll tell you when you got three more. So if we learn to focus more on that, because your muscles are not counting, okay? It's about stimulation. That'd be like telling an elite sprinter in cycling to count the reps he's on the bicycle, right? Which is thousands, hundreds of thousands. Of course, they're not going to do that. But they're feeling the burn when they're getting on high climbs, right? When they're getting on steep climbs, they're feeling the burn in their quads. So it's not about how many, okay? It's about getting close to fatigue on the sets. Yes, we want sort of an idea. Of course, if we're getting into the really super high rep range, obviously we need a little bit heavier load or we're going to be there all day, right? That's what it comes down to. The workout will take forever, but we have to realize it's more about the feel and getting close to fatigue onto the muscles than it is about how many. So it's really more important about load than reps, right? If we pick the appropriate load and know that we want to get it close to fatigue and not take all day, that's the best way to really think about it, all right? And that's ultimately what we want to do. So I found it to be a cool study. I wanted to share it with you. It just... Obviously, we, we have a bias towards what we look for, you know, and I've always believed that and the study just confirms it. But, you know, do your own research and, you know, always train the way you like to train as long as it's safe. Like if you're a low load, a high load guy, more power to you. I've been there before and occasionally I still am. There's nothing wrong with that. We want people to go to the gym. We want people to work out. We just want you to get maximum results and do it safely. Okay. So thank you, chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos. She has a chiropractic office on Granada in Ormond Beach. She's a graduate of Palmer College, and she is also a consummate professional. And we refer to her. We will put her information in the show notes. Great chiropractor. And I want to remind everybody to please download these episodes. It helps me. Please refer them to people, send them to people, ask people to subscribe 
to Spotify or wherever. Spotify is free. You don't have to get the paid account. But follow it and please download because that does help me and I want to be able to continue to do this. So until next time, be max fit, be max well.